Season three of The Protectors. This is a new season. It's not The Protectors anymore. It's The Protector Life. Now, gone are those days of the canned interview. Today, we're going we're gonna to learn something. Every interview, we have to learn something. What we're going to learn, I don't know yet. But right now, I've got Bobby Bushcraft on, and he's got a hell of a background. Bobby, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. It's great to be here. Now, MP which is, uh, you know, that's a, that's a little, you know, damning in a way if you're ex-military or not, you know, mm-hmm. boys, you know, but XMP, but then you go off and you join the PD and you do the PD for like 28 years, man. That's a good right. deal. Let's hear about that. Yeah. You know, so when I joined the army, I always wanted to be in the army, loved the army since I was a kid. It's either be, being in the army or being, uh, uh, I was big into the Lone Ranger, you know, as a kid, it was either you were the Lone Ranger or you were Tarzan. Uh-huh. Either way, but you know, you had to have you know a knife or a gun. But I was, you know, joined the army, um, going as a '95 Bravo, go to Fort McClellan, basic training, and then uh, I go to South America. I lived there for four years. This is during Panama, um, just mm-hmm. right after Panama, and I lived in Panama. Um, come back to the states. I get stationed in Virginia, um, and while I'm in Virginia. I'm at this point an E5, a Sergeant E5, and I could either go, I'm, I'm promotable, so I could become, I can go to E6 and get transferred and go somewhere else, or uh, the police department there was hiring. So I applied, I get accepted, and it just so happened that it coincided with my ETS date was the same date the academy started. So I did. I just went right out of the Army into the police academy. And then, you know, after 23 something years on that police department, uh, once you hit 50 years old, you make the age and you retire. <laughs> and that's it. So it was, a, it was a long, a lot of stuff, though. A lot of stuff happened in between there, which, you know, yeah, you and I, things that I'm doing now. You and I were talking about that. Uh, you know, you're the, how your career varied from different positions and different ranks and stuff like that. And that is a lesson learned is, you know, you and I both have a similar situation. Mm-hmm. We get out of the army. I went on and did the uh, the border patrol ex- expedited hiring, and I was supposed to go into border patrol right away. But my uh, my my start date was, you know, it kind of kept going and going and going. So I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to college. So I went to college, and then I went to border patrol after college. But you you transitioned right away, and I yeah. always tell people, I'm like, before you get out of the military, start thinking three steps ahead. Don't wait until you go to TAPS and right. uh, and wait for them for, to do your resume and then apply. But if you're going to go into the PDs, look for these expedited hirings. If you're going to go to college, start applying. Start building your resume a year out minimum. It is. Yeah, college is a big thing, too. And it's a good thing, you know, when I went in, um, when I first went into the Army, I had some good, uh, after basic, I had some good squad leaders who, who pushed that on, like, the whole squad. You need to go to college. You need to go to college. Go to take these courses. It's free. Go to CLEP. You know, CLEP these classes. You could CLEP Dante's, the Dante's, and then you could go to St. Leo University, which is where I went. And, um, you know, that's where I went to college, whether it was classes or CLEP everything out. Um, it was through St. Leo University. Yeah, everybody in the, in, the, 
yeah and and now everything you have online access to everything man so right. i, I want to use this word i haven't used this word in a while it behooves you <laughs> to go to college man yeah. uh and by the some, way everybody out there never use that word some sort of college it behooves you to go to college yes. to get educated but not to the let's say the universities that exist now for indoctrination yeah which is occurring in many of the larger universities and certain think about it think outside the box think trade schools think this think that there's a lot of opportunity out there that's not stereotypical english yeah. math blah 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 college type stuff trade schools are where it's at man you know learn to fly learn to do something different you know there's a lot of trades out there and you know that's why one of the reasons i wanted to have you on now is because you had when you transition out of the pd mm -hmm. you know it's not like you went and you did the the background investigation job for the rest of your life or you did this because you know you have these stereotypical jobs when you get out of law enforcement background investigator um, what else do you do? Corporate polygraph, security, polygraph, polygraph yeah. etc. You went, was your, you know, everything you're doing with photography and everything, is that mm -hmm. kind of like, where did that yeah. come from? So that started when I was a kid. We had, um, growing up, my uh, father had a actual, we had like a photograph studio in the basement where back then it was developing film, you know, with mm -hmm. all the chemicals. And uh, believe it or not, at uh, one point when I was uh, young, very young. Uh, I was working in one of those old time photograph studios where people come and put mm -hmm. on outfits and take pictures. So <clears throat> I was in the photography very young. I always liked it. And I, I took classes in college for photography. So um, I was always been interested in it. And, and even in the PD, uh, going to crime scene school uh, and doing photographs, learning how to photograph crime scenes uh, things like that. So it's always been a part of my life in some fashion. So go ahead as several years are going by and, you know, I'm getting ready. Uh, I'm getting into other things, whether it's shooting, making knives. Uh, I'm going to blade show every year, going, you know, traveling and hanging out in different blade forms, blade groups of, you know, knife makers, uh, learning how to make knives from various knife makers throughout the country. Um, and getting involved in the shooting sports. I'm getting more and more as my hobby, uh, while still as, uh, as a Leo, I'm getting more that hobby of going of participating in these different ventures and going out, doing a lot of traveling uh, into learning survival skills, self-reliance and things like that. So at some point, it all comes together. It all converges. And, and, you know, I'm doing photography. People are asking me, hey, can you come film what we're doing here? Can you come film this? Can you take pictures of this? And it's just blossomed into uh, basically that's all I'm doing to where I created my own uh, production company. So now I do photographs and promotions and provide content to um, whatever companies. Most of it's firearms industry or um knife industry related uh, companies. And that's where John Wick comes in, huh? You and I were talking <laughs> yeah. about this, this whole, the John yeah. Wick experience. What, what's the deal with that? Yeah. So there's a, 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 we would say a local famous gun store. It's pretty famous. Um, if you're into firearms, you'll know uh, it's called the Pistol Parlor, which is here in Besa, Arizona. Um, it's about 20 minutes from me. And, um, 
what they decided to do, and it's coming out here shortly. And um, I, I currently um, am with Knife and Gear Society. So we provide photographs and content and write for them. So I went out to this new store. Uh, the Pistol Parlor bought the store next to them, and they wanted to create a new um, space, retail space. But they just didn't want to create any standard type of, you know, run-of-the-mill store. They came up with the idea of having a themed, higher class, up class store where you would go and you could make an appointment to go inside and you're going to get, you know, top notch customer service where they're paying attention to you the whole time because you want to go in there and buy these firearms, which are much more expensive than your standard store. Just all, you know, you're, um, there's guns in that are seven, eight thousand dollars for a handgun. So they created it based off the John Wick theme. So if you watch the John Wick movies, yes. In the third movie, in the last movie, um, Winston goes into the vault where they have all the firearms uh, at towards the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. So the owner of the pistol parlor approached a contractor, and the uh, the they said, "Hey, we want to build this." And um, so they looked at it and they kind of built it based on in their budget what they could do. Um, they built that store, and uh, it. Just opened this week, and we were out there promoting that this week. But it's 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 the only one like it of its kind. You're not going to see another thing like that. I've never seen another one anywhere. I mean, there's cool gun stores out there. Don't get me wrong. I've been to there's of, of numerous varieties, and whether you have you know a lodge style or whatever mm -hmm. style you're talking about, but there's nothing like this. I mean, it's just like you're looking. You know, it's like it's basically out of the movie. And, you know, of course, they're having a lot of the weapons that are from the movie they sell in the store. I um, I think you and I and, and there's a lot of us out there kind of we look at weapons differently. Like me growing up, I always they're not just something, a tool. They're they're like a work of art. I don't know if that makes right. sense, because I mean, right. I see certain weapons and you look at the lines, you look at the crisp lines, you look at the smooth actions and they're absolutely like a work of art. And uh, that's, I really, I got to come out there. I want to go to there. I want to take tons of pictures. I want to see what it's like. It's almost like um, you're taking a girl to go get her engagement ring at this like Tiffany's or some crazy expensive place. Yeah, exactly. And that's what this is about. It's, that's what they wanted to kind of uh, create and have that environment that you're going to this special place and if you're coming from four hours away, which a lot of their customers come from four hours in any direction, because the store is like basically in the center of the state, you know, it's about half hour from Phoenix. So people come from four hours in any direction. And when you show up there, they want to be able to provide service to that person because they drove, they want it to be a destination because mm -hmm. they drove so far to get there and they want to make sure that it's, you know, special. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's really it's really good, and you're going to see they're going to do a uh, they just did the soft opening, but they're going to have a probably hard opening in January. Yeah, well, we'll definitely put some links, and everybody can go there and check it out. Yeah. The other, the other thing about you know you have the firearms, but then you have the knife culture, and I'm like I look around and I always uh, like I literally have knives everywhere. They could be cheap little uh, bear grillis knives I use to open up boxes up here. Um, to everything, you know, I just bought a Microtech uh, auto opener just because I love auto openers out the front ones. Um, but I have a million knives, man, 
and I can't stop buying knives. It's between knives and guns, man. Yeah. What is it about yeah. a good blade? I don't know, but holy Electric. crap! Look at Turn that on the knife display. Now, if the listeners out there, if you're not watching this, uh, Bobby's got this hell of a knife display. I, well, this whole room's like a knife museum. There's knives everywhere. Now, how did you get into knife building? Just love, like I said, you know, earlier, like I love knives. Ever, I think it was, you know, growing up as a kid watching Tarzan movies. He had that knife, mm -hmm. and I've kind of been infatuated with knives since I was a kid, and um, always had all kind of whether pocket knives or fixed blade knives, whatever it was. Uh -huh. I've always had knives on me. And as you grow, you know, some people go to Walmart and buy a knife and go, it's a knife. It cuts, you know, they, they can't see spending 500 or a thousand or $3,000 on a knife, but people do, it's a niche. And uh, there's plenty of people that do it. And once you get into that world, just like anything else, yeah. whether it's coin collecting or, you know, whatever people collect uh, Rolex watches is a big watch collectors. Mm -hmm. or, or, or that's an expensive hobby. Knives can be too. Uh, there's, that knives are absolutely I, uh, really I, was, I grew up in the 80s as a kid you know i was born in the 70s but 80s is when i could really you know started maturing well kind of maturing and i can't say maturing after i say this what i used to do is i used to watch all the ninja movies you're like well the steel was folded this many times so right. i would literally go and buy or find sheet metal and i'd cut make my own knives my own swords out of them and i'd wrap them up and i try to sharpen them and stuff i was always making my own knives um, but I didn't really learn about knife making itself until probably about a decade ago, a decade plus when mm -hmm. it started becoming big on TV. And then you can start watching like the Forge and Fires and all the other different shows. And it's incredible, man. And now, like when I look at a blade, I'm like, I'm not, you're not just buying the, the cheap $20 knife or $30, wherever this Gerber is. Right. Uh, you're, I'm looking at really great blades and it's hard to find a really great blade. Because when if you find a good knife maker, you know this as well as I do, but people out there, if you're looking for a good blade, uh, they sell out real quick. Um, and we'll have to talk offline because one of my uh, best friends, I've been trying to buy him a nice blade. His wife's been trying to buy him a nice blade. Mm -hmm. The ones he wants, sell out, boom. So because there's, there's makers. Yeah. The, the, thing, the, the thing with selling out, you're right, and it's the custom makers. I mean, you could go buy a Benchmade or a Spider yeah. or whatever you want to buy online and get it, no problem. Mm -hmm. But it's the custom makers, the guys that make the custom knives yep. that sell out right away because it's they're not just buying the knife. They're yep. buying the maker. They're yep. buying that the maker is what is what creates that aura of the knife. And, you know, no matter who, who it is, and you, I could, you could name all kinds of different makers. Uh, you had mentioned Forged and Fire earlier. And, you know, when Forged and Fire came out, that really made, that blew up the whole industry because so many people started making their own knives where it kind of saturated the industry with all yeah. these new knife makers. And now there's so many knife makers to choose from. And, of course, there's all, there's so much you could do with a knife and creating a new design. So everybody has little variants and changes mm -hmm. of little things that they do to create their own knife. So when they're the people that sell out are the, the popular people or the people that are followed by the masses because they like the maker. It's, it, it doesn't matter. It, the knife yeah. might be good or not good, but they like the maker. It's the maker that they're buying. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What's your, uh, let's put you on the spot. Your top three current knife makers. Mm -hmm. Peter Kohler, Jason Peter. Knight, Adam DeRosiers. That was easy. That's not even putting you on a spot. Now, what, <laughs> you're, you're like, boom, there was no thinking about it. And I, I'd have what, to put Claudio Sabral in there, too, from uh, from Argentina. Okay. You know what? Let's make it five. Okay, we'll get, throw another <laughs> and, one in there. And Sam Lurkwin. <laughs> okay. Now, I'd imagine all of them are unique. All of them have kind of a different backstory. Mm -hmm. What is what do you like about it what kind of knives are we talking here are we talking folders fixed blades those are all fixed blades yeah those are all fixed blade makers. i kind of think fixed custom blades makers. yeah fixed right. blades custom are makers. you know doing if you were going to say folders uh for people who do folders and if you come out we can go visit um uh, greg medford medford knives medford knife and tool he's here in phoenix and um that is another he makes the most bomb proof folders i mean they're beefy they're big you know he's an ex-marine and uh he, he makes the most established i mean there's like they're just big and beefy and like well, i said over here but for i have a lot of know, EOD you look at these things bomb proof you guys out there you may blow up but your knife will still be there <laughs> now i've got a lot of eod friends and stuff and that's the other thing they all like knives i it's like an artwork man and i can't keep saying that enough is like there's something about the process and like you said it's about the builder it's the maker um mm -hmm. and that's the thing man it's like i keep i i preach this over and over again because i do a lot of stuff where I, I talk to people about their resumes about this and about that but when your initial jobs remember your law enforcement career is 20 years or 25 years your military career is 20 25 years that is just uh, one part of your life right your second career Try, what do you really like to do? Me, I like to podcast. I like to put lights on myself. I like to talk to people. I love talking. I love talking shit. It's and, funny uh, you say that. It's funny you say that because, uh, you know, after there was a time there where, you know, this is what plays into the protectors. There was a time, you know, for a 10 year period, nine and a half years, where I was doing uh, sex crimes, uh, working the sex crimes. And, um, about half the time was with adults and the other half was with uh, children. And at the end of that period of investigating and dealing with, you know, uh, whether that's the, these abusers, I hated everybody. I hate, yeah. like, I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want to talk to anybody, mm -hmm. anybody I saw, you know, it affects you in your, in your personal life or, you know, my kids, um, they're both adults now they're gone. But like when it was time for them to be uh, going to boy Scouts, it was like, Oh, you're not going in the Boy Scouts unless I'm there. So they wanted to go in the Boy Scouts. So you know what? I had to join Boy Scouts. So yeah. I had to become an assistant scoutmaster. So anytime they went anywhere on a trip or something that I was going because I felt that I just couldn't trust anybody for them to be alone with. And uh, that's that's a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't realize the uh, the significance or the amount of abuse um, yeah. that occurs most people go about their daily lives and they don't know or they don't see maybe they might see a news flash of a story on tv on the news or something but they don't realize when you see this constant the amount yes. of abuse that exists it, it's mind-numbing uh, of the, the kind of evil that's out there yeah and when i come out there i think we need to do a sit-down interview and talk about it because that's what my next book will be on domestic trafficking 
Um, mm -hmm. But and that's the thing about having a voice and being able to talk about it. You and I can be both very outspoken about the things we've seen and done. Um, I can't about some things I'm doing because I'm still a Fed. But um, right. overall, you know, you do have this experience, but you do have to find an outlet. Uh, me, I like to have that voice now. But I was, I was, you know, two years ago. If you Google Jason Piccolo 2018, there's nothing. Or Jason Piccolo 2017. Um, nothing about me out there. Um, right. And now I've, I've had a voice and this is my outlet. You have your outlets now. And that's what I tell everybody. Find your outlet. Find something that gives you a semblance of peace. Because that's what you really need to get over that hump. Because you and I both know when you leave the yeah. LEO world, you leave that military world and you don't have a mission, whether that mission is something your outlet or that your mission is something else that means something. That's when you kind of go into another world of where the darkness comes in. Yep, absolutely. And you got to find the key to the whole thing really is finding something that you want to do that you enjoy Mm -hmm. That you really, really like because, you know, even doing the knife thing, once you do the, you know, I'm just using that as an example, you could get into the knife world and you really like it. But a lot of times people take their passion and turn it into their new job and yeah. then it's a job again. And you got to really, really like what you're doing um, or have multiple outlets mm -hmm. and go in different directions in order to, uh, you know, so it's not so monotonous. Uh, like, I, it's it's great being retired like I am. I mean, I don't need to work. I'm retired. Yeah. But it's great doing something else, you know. But if, if you don't want to do it or you're tired that day or you have to do whatever, it's nice to say, well, I don't need to go punch the clock, uh, you know, because you're working for yourself. And it's okay to shift focus. It's okay to do something different. Um, if you've had a protectors uh, season one and season two, and you want to change it up to be protectors life season three, do it. Right. Do something, man. If you if you've built all the knives that you want to build, you've shot all the photos you want to shoot, and you want to go and do something else, do it. Um, give yourself that opportunity. Give yourself it, it, that it is, and you know this the current environment that we live in now. You know, ever since those COVID started. Like, mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing. I was doing a lot of traveling. I love traveling. And, uh, you know, last year I did uh, 13 states and three countries prior to COVID going out and doing stories or shooting videos or whatever we were doing for product or whatever organization, whatever company. And then COVID hit and it's like everything died. It's like mm -hmm. nobody, depending on what state, you know, like, like, like this year I've been to, I've been to Nevada, Utah, Idaho, um, uh, North Carolina and Georgia, but it's not a lot. It's a few nah. but during COVID, it's during COVID, but there's, there's some places like you can't go, like you cannot go to California and expect to find something open or, or New York or it's just, it just, it stifles everything that you wanted to do. And again, like shot show, it's funny. I got my credentials for my media pass for a shot show. Um, two days before they cancel it. Yeah. Like, that made my new pass. And then two days later they go, we're canceling shot show uh -huh. in the world. Oh brother, it's going to get better. Um, but it's going to get worse first. I'm going to say that I, you know, I'm not, I don't sugarcoat shit anymore. That's why I took it right off the bat. This, uh, this season, the protectors, we talk about anything, nothing is off the table. You and I are going to have another discussion and another interview. And definitely because we have a lot to talk about, man. Um, oh, there's, today, there's tons. 
We got tons. So, Bobby, you will be coming back on a show, whether that's in person or via uh, StreamYard or Skype yeah. or whatever we got available at the time. Yeah. I appreciate it. Whatever you want. Anytime. Thanks, brother.